believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire.
the charismata. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Informed, not ignorant. As the above scripture indicates, God desires for all believers to be informed, not ignorant, concerning the manifestation gifts of the Spirit, just as He desires for us to be informed about every other matter of the Spirit realm. Yet there is perhaps more ignorance regarding this one matter than any other. One of the remnants, ostensibly of the Dark Ages, in the church that is still prevalent in many churches today is the ridiculous hypothesis that ignorance about spiritual matters perceived by some to be potentially erroneous is the best way to avoid deception. In other words, one should emulate the ostriches and bury his head in the sand so as not to even look upon anything which may be unorthodox or different than the traditional beliefs of the denomination or sect of which he is a part. Many denominational churches still teach that kind of childish and medieval-like behavior even for their adult church members pertaining to the matter of the baptism in the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and some other related spiritual matters. Non-Pentecostal, non-charismatic preachers and church leaders admonish their parishioners against becoming involved with groups espousing the baptism and the gifts with such foolish statements as, you better stay away from those tongue talkers and those holy rollers and those snake handlers, lest some of that what they got might get on you. Again, the premise of their thinking in some is that ignorance and avoidance of anything different than the traditional doctrines to which they ascribe is the way to prevent deception. Nothing could be further from the truth. Even the pagan Bereans had more spiritual sense than that, for when they heard the preaching by Paul of another way than what they had known, they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Acts 17.11 The only way to know whether a teaching is true or false is to examine it in the light of scripture. The deception preventative prescribed by God's word is to test and prove all things until you can recognize what is good to that. Hold fast. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, Amplified Bible. And the only way we can test and prove any spiritual matter is by comparing it to Holy Scripture. If God's Word says it, then it is so. If it's in the Bible, it is truth. Ignorance is not bliss, but stupid. Ignorance or avoidance of something is no safeguard against deception. God said his people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. Lack of knowledge or ignorance of the truth is what causes people to be destroyed. Knowledge itself never destroys. Lack of knowledge does. It's not even knowledge of the untrue 
or the erroneous that destroys us, but rather lack of knowledge of the truth. Fear not. Believers must always receive truth by faith and never fear it. It is fear of deception that we must reject. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6 Walking in fear rather than faith is not pleasing to God. The fact of the matter is that fear of anything, deception included, as the story of Job proves, will not only not protect us from it, but it will actually produce it. As Job said, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Job 3.25 Faith in God and His published Word, the Bible, is our only true protection against evil and deception. That's why Jesus said to pray this way, Our Father, which art in heaven, deliver us from evil. Fear is an evil spirit not given to us by God, but emanating from Satan. 2 Timothy 1, 7 Fear is the opposite of faith and produces the opposite results of faith. Faith is a real, effectual, spiritual force of the kingdom of God that produces those things that are desired. Compare that with Hebrews 11.1. Fear, on the other hand, is a real spiritual force of the kingdom of Satan that produces the things that are not desired. Again, Job said, The thing I have feared the most has come upon me. Sixty-three times in the King James Version of the Bible, God issues the command, Fear not. Moreover, believers need not fear deceiving spirits. They have already overcome them. Compare with 1 John 4, 1-6. Love of and acceptance of the truth is the only safeguard against deception and subjection to false signs and wonders, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12. It is those who refuse to become informed about and matured in the matter of spiritual gifts that will be more and more vulnerable to deception and false signs and wonders. Knowledge of the truth, knowing the truth, is the only thing that will protect you from deception. Familiarity with the true spiritual gifts is the only thing that will protect us from accepting counterfeits. One of the best illustrations of that truth is U.S. Treasury agents, who handle thousands of genuine bills all day, every day. They can spot a counterfeit in a second just by the feel of it, because they handle so many millions of the genuine. Their elite training to readily detect fake bills is based preeminently on familiarization with the genuine, not concentrating on the counterfeits. Supernatural gifts from God are the genuine, the real thing. 
supernatural gifts of the Spirit originated with God, not the devil. Counterfeit signs and wonders do exist, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12. Satan is the one who counterfeits the genuine gifts of God, not the other way around. The very existence of occult counterfeit signs and wonders is proof positive of the existence of the genuine supernatural gifts of God. How do we detect, discern, or distinguish the counterfeit from the genuine? Not by ignorance of the genuine, but by as thorough a knowledge and familiarity with the genuine as possible. Like the U.S. Treasury agents and personnel, we become so knowledgeable of and familiar with the real that we can spot the bogus in a nanosecond. The charismata, or spiritual gifts, or manifestation gifts of the Spirit, however you refer to them, emanate from the Holy Spirit Himself and are therefore part and parcel of God and His kingdom and divine truth. Thus, we must not fear the giver, the Holy Spirit, or the giftings He gives, or reject Him or them. To do so is insulting to God. Shying away from or resisting any aspect or element of the kingdom of God because of fear of deception is itself deception and is precisely what the devil wants to cause believers to do so that they will not be able to use the supernatural weapons of their warfare. 2 Corinthians 10.4, to defeat him and his kingdom. Neutralization is the closest thing to victory Satan can ever hope to achieve, but it's all he needs to achieve. To him, fear-driven retreat is tantamount to defeat. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes.
the big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if He would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. A Trio of Gifts from the Trinity In the kingdom of the triune God, good things come in threes. Trinitarians espouse and expound the truth that the Godhead consists of three persons, as opposed to three manifestations, as non-Trinitarian oneness or modalist Pentecostals contend. All three persons verily God, perfectly unified in essence and purpose, yet simultaneously separate and distinct. One God in three persons, Trinitarians maintain. God so loved the world that he gave, John 3.16. In this, the one most familiar and quoted of all gospel verses, is reflected volumes more than what the commentaries of Christian doctrine and theology have ever been able to suppose and propose. Add to it the fathomless precept of the summing up of all things in Christ, Ephesians 1.10, and human ruminations of who God really is soar to such sublime heights so as to dizzy the most stolid and grounded of souls. The preponderance of Scripture propounds over and over the phenomenal truth that the one triune God to whom traditional Orthodox Christendom ascribes, avows, and serves is the supreme giver. It is undeniable and unavoidable that giving is a central attribute of the nature of God. He is the God of all grace, 1 Peter 5.10. He is so full of grace, charis in the Greek, or giftings, everlasting love and kindness and mercy that endures to and throughout all generations, Psalm 105 et al., that he simply cannot help himself but to give. He is a God of bountiful gifts and giving. When He gave us His only begotten Son, He gave all 
and the best, he had to give. One of his names, El Shaddai, which means the God who is more than enough, also demonstrates his nature of superfluous benevolence. When God gives, he gives in overflowing, abundant measure. It only follows then, as a brief aside, that anyone who proposes to emulate God and His attributes, in addition to all else, must also be a wildly generous and hilarious giver. 1 Corinthians 9, 7 Now let's turn our attention to this trio of gifts bestowed unto believers by the Trinity. I will speak about each one briefly, in that our main focus here, in this chapter, is the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, operations, KJV, energizings, literally in the Greek, but the same God who works all these things in all persons. 1 Corinthians 12, 46, NASB. In these verses, the Spirit reveals through the Apostle Paul the truth that there are three distinct sets of supernatural spiritual giftings, each bestowed by and emanating from a different member of the Godhead. To say it another way, the revelation of this passage is that each person of the Godhead has a different set of gifts that emanate from that member of the Trinity, which he bestows unto believers. Each set of gifting in the system I espouse for these gifts begins with the letter M in English. In order of their mention, they are manifestation gifts, ministry gifts, and motivation gifts. While the primary subject matter of this book is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it is almost irresponsible and negligent to address the matter without mentioning the gifts of the Spirit or charismata that inure to those who receive it, which I will do in this chapter only cursorily. I deal with them in greater depth in other books. The Manifestation Gifts of the Spirit Charismata. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. The Holy Spirit distributes manifestation gifts of the Spirit, charismata or charismatic gifts, which are supernatural empowerment bearing witness of the risen Christ. Acts 1, 8 as He wills unto all Spirit-baptized believers. This set of divine endowments is delineated in 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11. They are nine, the number of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, in number, and can be divided into three categories of three gifts each. Revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Power gifts, healings, miracles, faith. Prophetic or vocal gifts, unknown tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. 
The Apostle Paul's entire dissertation in chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians concerns the nine supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. All nine of these gifts of the Spirit, according to the above-cited Scripture context, are for the common good. That is to say, they are primarily manifested in the public forum for the corporate benefit of those assembled. The implied import is that these manifestations are most likely to be manifested in the public, typically congregational, forum where two or three are gathered together in my name, as opposed to the private and personal life of an individual believer, though that by no means infers that manifestation in the latter scenario is precluded or prohibited. It is in this public congregational forum that the manifestations of the Spirit are most frequently and commonly manifested and demonstrated. For instance, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, and faith seem to be activated and manifested more commonly where two or three are gathered together for the common good than they are in the personal life of an individual for the private benefit of that individual. This demonstrates the importance of the corporate anointing, John fourteen twelve. The verses immediately following the listing of the manifestations of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, seem to be focusing on and emphasizing this matter of these manifestations being especially operational in the corporate body of Christ, which, though it consists of individual members, is individual members related to and needful of one another and assembled together corporately. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, the manifestations of the Spirit, distributing to each one individually as He wills. The will of the Spirit seems to encompass an especial preference for distributing these manifestations and causing them to operate as the corporate body of Christ congregates together reinforcing the Lord's insistence that we be continually cognizant of our need for one another, 1 Corinthians 12.21. For instance, while it is possible for a sick believer to lay hands upon himself and affect healing or recovery, that seems to be a less common occurrence. Rather, it seems that healing virtue is more often released into the body of the infirmed through the laying on of hands by another believer. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it, and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, 
the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it based on scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to have this special book and or audio book I've prepared for you to help you understand it and to receive this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can order the book and audio book online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal donate button. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.